Welcome to Liberated Living Ministries with John and Beverly Sheesby. You are listening to the Seed to Seed message for February 2022. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please visit our website, liberatedliving.com. Grace to you and greetings to you from a white, snowy, winter wonderland in Bixby, Oklahoma. I'm standing up in our games room looking out on a white world. We had snow all of last night and we're supposed to have more snow tonight. So this is a great place to be on a snowy day right up here in the games room. Well, it's been a long time since I have done Seed to Seed. And uh, let me fill you in on a little bit of what has been going on. Well, first of all, just after we sent out November Seed to Seed, we went to Mexico with the group from Shop Fix Academy, and Bev and I had a thoroughly wonderful time at uh, the uh, Four Seasons Resort in Punta Mita. We were so grateful for the gift of that trip, and it, it was a delightful time. We came back from there and traveled down to Georgia to Hogansville Grace Covenant Worship Center, where we spent a weekend with the fellowship there. And we love pastors Alex and Jill Montgomery and the people there. And it's a joy to go back there regularly and to just know we're so received and accepted there and to minister the word there. We came back from there and I did a funeral here in Tulsa. Many of you know Leah Springer, who has been a friend of ours for many, many years from soon after we came to America. Her mother passed away, and so I uh, was asked by the family to do the funeral, which I did. And as an upshot of that, Bev and I both got COVID and had a bad time with that, but I'll, I'll share more of that in a little bit. And uh, so we didn't have Thanksgiving because we were both sick at that time. And and Christmas was rather subdued as well. Uh, we just stayed close to home. And then January last month, we went up to Nashville for four conferences for Shop Fix Academy. And that was a wonderful time. We are seeing God doing so many great things in individual lives through that fruitful place. And uh, we're just so grateful for that outlet uh, provided for us by Aaron Stokes. And and we came back from ShopFix Academy to the office to do all of our year-end data entry and do a donation receipts, which we've sent out. If you haven't got yours or if your address has changed and we sent it to your old address, just please email the office, LLM office at liberatedliving.com, and we will send you a, um, a donation receipt. And so that sort of has been what has been going on. But also in the midst of that, Bev and I had our wedding anniversary on the 20th of January, and uh, we have been married 49 years. And so on the 20th of January, we entered our 50th year, our Jubilee year. And we just felt the Lord saying to us to claim this as a Jubilee year, a year of restoration. 
He's a restorer. He loves to restore. And he wants us to speak restoration. As I've preached in the past, no one, he said in Isaiah, no one says restore. He's waiting for people to say restore. Anyway, the verse that he gave us for our 50th year is Psalm 36 and verse 8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house or the fatness of your house, the King James Version says, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. That's an amazingly wonderful verse. Abundantly satisfied. The word in the Hebrew means to be satiated, absolutely satiated. It's the same word as in Psalm 66. He brought them forth into a large place, a place of saturation, of satiation, They will be abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. Oh, my word. And just earlier in the previous psalm that says the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So one of the pleasures of the Lord is to see us prosperous. Many of you know the story of when our children were at Oral Roberts University and we had just settled them in for another semester and we were driving back down to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we passed close by where our office now is in Glenpool. And I was just overwhelmed uh, crying and saying, Lord, it's so wonderful to see my children so well provided for. And he said to me, I heard the spirit say, now you know how I feel when my children are well provided for. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, of his children. And so that's one of the pleasures. So we are believing for prosperity for this year in every area of our lives, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, financial, uh, relational, every area of our lives to walk in prosperity for this, our year of Jubilee. So let me go back and talk about COVID. It was quite a shock to us. As I said, we did. I did the funeral, and at the funeral there was a super spreader, someone who had been vaccinated and had all the shots, and everyone that this particular person came in contact with got COVID. They obviously were a super spreader, and uh, we both took ill. Uh, I had a worse bout even than Bev had uh, for more than seven days, I battled high fevers and I was so weak. The first few days, I could barely get out of bed. And then in my weakness, in my weakened state, I couldn't think clearly. I, I came to realize that this COVID is not a sickness. It is an evil bioweapon. Uh, Bev and I were talking to Johnny and Elizabeth Enlow in in uh, Nashville a few weeks ago, and we were in agreement that this sickness does not behave like a normal sickness. It is an engineered bioweapon to cause destruction. And it made me so angry to think that we had got sick. And so in my weakened state, I couldn't, I couldn't pray. I couldn't even read the Bible. I I was just so weak, but I I sang in my spirit. And the hymn that came to me and that ministered so much to me was an old hymn from my childhood. I am trusting thee, Lord Jesus. 
trusting only thee, trusting thee for full salvation, rich and free. And then the fourth verse, I am trusting thee for power. Thine shall never fail for the word which thou hast, give, hast, hast given must prevail. And so those two verses were the two verses of the hymn that I kept singing over and over again. I'm trusting thee, Lord Jesus. When I started to get better, I would get up and sit on a, a recliner and Bev would read the word to me. And every day she read Psalm 91 from a different translation. And what a comfort it was. But it created this query in my mind. Now, as I share what the Lord did in me, I don't want any of you to feel condemnation, feel that I'm poking at you because you've got, had COVID, got COVID and, and I'm not in any way implying that you got COVID because you did something wrong. But this is how God dealt with me. As Bev would read Psalm 91, it bugged me so much that, uh, the, you know, the promise of Psalm 91 verses 9 and 10 is so definite. And uh, we had been standing on that. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. And we had gone to Nashville, you know, three, four times a year and spoken at the ShopFix Academy conferences there. And we were around who knows what in those conferences. And we'd gone down to Mexico and, and all the rest of us, and we never got sick. And so the question was, why did I, we get sick as a result of doing that funeral? And God just the question, where was our protection? And God began to speak to me. And so I'm just going to share with you what the Lord showed me. When we came to the United States, I felt like the Lord said to me, don't do weddings and funerals. And uh, it was part of the old pastoral responsibilities that I had left behind. And the Lord had specifically called me to preach the word, preach the word of liberation. So weddings and funerals were never a part of my assignment in coming to the United States. But over the years, friendships developed, requests came, and I felt obligated by friendship to step out of my lane. I never felt good about doing it, but felt I was being selfish if I declined. And so what God began to show me was that my need to please people out of a fear of their rejection, the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And so where there is something done out of fear, that is not faith. No matter how, you know, innocent the fear might have been, not to wanting to displease, not wanting to disappoint, not, not wanting to make people feel like, oh, he's so selfish. He could easily have done that. And so I acquiesced to the re request of many people to do the weddings for their, their children and, and so on. And then, you know, was involved with a couple of funerals as well. And the Lord began to show me, he said, I never 
told you to do those things. And quite honestly, I've got to tell you that every time I did a funeral or a wedding or a funeral, I've just felt terrible inside. I did not enjoy it one little bit. I felt, you can ask Bev, I would get all nervous. I would get all uptight about it. It was not what God wanted me to do. And I should have listened to the checks of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And so anyway, Bev and I began to to repent as God began to show me that during my weak state of having, you know, just recovered from all those days, probably 10 days of fevers and feeling so debilitated, feeling so my mind couldn't function. You know, I normally love to play a couple of games like Scrabble on my telephone. I couldn't think of words. I couldn't even play uh, solitaire. I mean, it just didn't make sense to me. That's that's this terrible bioweapon that has been developed to oppress mankind. And I hate it. And I hate the fact that the devil has been so rampant in so many people's lives through this whole deal. And so as I was recovering and I, God showed me this and our Bev and I repented and we made a commitment to the Lord. We would never do those things. We'd never step outside of our calling again. Um, I called a friend of ours, uh, Noel Cromot, who was who trained us for our Youth for Christ teen teams in 1967 and 1969. We stayed in their home with Noel and Merle. And Noel now is an associate pastor at a church in Connecticut. And I had a conversation with him and I shared my story about COVID and, and about what the Lord had taught me. And he had just read that morning Colossians 4 and verse 17. And he stressed it to me. He said, I feel this verse is for you. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And Noel said the Lord had emphasized to him the ministry. It wasn't ministry. It was the particular ministry that had been given to Archippus. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And then in Acts, he also referenced Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. Set apart unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. It was a specific work. It was a calling to the Gentiles. And every time Paul stepped out of that and tried to minister to the Jews, he got into a lot of trouble because God had called him very, very clearly when he arrested him on the road to Damascus. And uh, later on, when Ananias prophesied over him, God told Paul specifically, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And every time Paul wanted approval by the Jews and stepped out and the, the, the approval in the Jewish synagogues or ultimately going to Jerusalem to get the approval of the men in Jerusalem, he got into a world of trouble because he stepped out of his calling. He stepped out of that, the ministry that God had called him to. He says in 1 Corinthians 1.17, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, is baptism important? Absolutely. But Paul had to say, Christ did not send me to baptize. And he referenced a few people that he had baptized. But other than that, he said, I can't think of anyone else that I baptized, save the household of Stephanus. That was not what God had called him to. And so... 
During that time, God began to reiterate to me what he had called me to do in the United States. And I just want to share this with you because it's a course correction for me. It's bringing me back to the lane. It's bringing me back to what God brought us to the United States to do. It all began in John chapter 11 in the middle of 1981 in Gweru in Zimbabwe when I was having my quiet time and reading through the story of Lazarus. And that verse 44, when Jesus turned to the bystanders and said, loose him and let him go. And that impacted me so profoundly. Jesus had had given to Lazarus resurrection life, but he was unable to express it as he came out of the tomb, not walking and leaping and praising God, but doing what I call the sepulcher shuffle. He was bound hand and foot. So all he could do was probably just shuffle his feet and, you know, with his hands bound at his side. So he could barely move. And Jesus turned to the bystanders and said, loose him and let him go. And it struck me that Jesus could have brought him out of the grave naked because, you know, I mean, that that would have completed the act. But he said to the bystanders, loose him and let him go. And as I read that, the Holy Spirit just imprinted on my spirit that that was to be my ministry, to loose God's people. He gives resurrection life, but so many people are unable to express that life because of the grave clothes, such as I had at that time. And the biggest grave clothes that I had were the grave clothes of legalism and religious confusion because of my upbringing, not understanding the differentiation between the old and the new covenant. I was in that state of confusion of one one minute glimpsing grace and the next minute laying on people who I was ministering to in Guero, the law, because that's the way I had been raised. There was no uh, correctly dividing the word of truth and recognizing the difference that the death of Jesus made in fulfilling the old covenant and ushering in the new covenant, which we celebrate in the Lord's Supper. And that's why the Lord had said to me, baptism and the Lord's Supper, you are to fulfill in your ministry because I'm restoring those truths. And I'll get into that in a moment as I share further what the Lord had said to me. But my ministry, and as I've said in my book and You've perhaps heard me say the irony was that I was in so much bondage myself that day when I heard God say, loose him and let him go. But I knew that intrinsic in that calling was the promise that he was going to set me free from all the stuff that bound me. And so I received it that day. In fact, he gave me on that day the name of our ministry, Liberated Living, wrote it down. In my journal on that day in, I believe it was in June 1981, Liberated Living. We'll have a ministry and we'll call it Liberated Living. And here we are 41 years later and God has fulfilled that. Loose him and let him go. And so I knew that he was going to set me free. And as he set me free, I would be able to share with others the truth that it set me free. One of the verses that is so precious to me is in John 8, where Jesus talks about the sonship and and the comparison between the servant and the son. 
And if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The servant abides not in the house forever, but the Son abides forever. Uh, there is a freedom for the sons that the servants cannot know. And if I still relate to God on the basis of the law, I'm relating as a servant to a master and not as a son to the father. And so the first revelation that came to me was the revelation of sonship. And I was set free from bondage to the law and bondage to performance. Now, it didn't happen immediately all overnight because my mind had to be renewed with the truth of the word. And so there's been a progressive liberation. And all I've known to do as the Lord has set me free is to pass on and set other captives free. And it's been a joyous thing to do. So you can understand that funerals and weddings are not part of that. That's part of what I came away from that the Lord called me out of and brought me into the ministry that we're in now. And then Isaiah 49 verses 8 and 9 were really the gist of the calling. And I want to just reference those verses because uh, every now and then I need to revisit them and I need to remind everyone of what this ministry is about. Thus says the Lord in an acceptable time, I have heard you in the day of salvation. I've helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people. Now, this was the calling to me to restore the earth or the land to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages or inheritances that you may say to the prisoners, go forth and to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. Now, the way the Holy Spirit quickened this verse to me when he was, uh, we were coming to the United States was this, that really the action starts at the end of those four statements to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate inheritances that you may say to the prisoners, go forth to those who are in darkness, show yourself. If you don't start with people in darkness and of course, the word show yourselves is to reveal yourselves. And so it's about starts with identity. You can never walk into your inheritance if you don't know your identity as a son and a daughter. And so the first application of was, was this, that it was those who are in the darkness and the confusion of not knowing who they are, is to teach them their identity in Christ, their identity as sons and daughters under the new covenant, to teach them their identity as righteous people whom God has declared to be righteous. And they don't need to be spending their lives trying to be righteous because they are already righteous. And life can be the simplicity of being led by the Spirit of God. And so through them, through those uh, discovering their identity, then the, the next phrase up that you may say to the prisoners, go forth, go forth, setting those prisoners free from the prison that they've been in. I love Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And to proclaim, listen to this, liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He didn't say to 
open the prison doors. He said, proclaim that the prison doors are open, (laughs) that the prison doors have already been smashed. Jesus has smashed the prison doors. Now he says, just tell the people that they can come out of the prison. They can come out of the, the, where they have been and go forth is the word that you may say to the prisoners, go forth. And they're going forth to what? To inherit the desolate heritages or inheritances. And one of the things that God had to emphasize with me is that there is nothing in the new covenant that is ours by reward. It is all ours by inheritance because the new covenant is a testament. Hebrews is very clear about that. And a testament causes you to inherit, not you don't have to work for it. You don't have to deserve it. It is the, in the will of the testator when once he has written the will and declared these are the, the, the blessings. These are the things that I'm bequeathing. They're yours. You can only receive them. You can't do anything to earn them. And so that causing them to inherit the desolate inheritances is letting the church know what their inheritance is, letting God's people know the inheritance that is theirs in Jesus Christ. And we have such an amazing inheritance. And, you know, people have often said to me, why, why don't you, why don't you sort of write a thing down with all of the verses that share our inheritance of the new covenant? And I said, I will never do that because that would rob you of the joy of having the Holy Spirit open your eyes and reveal to you your inheritance in Jesus Christ. And he might unveil one thing to one person at one time and not to another. But later on, you know, he unveils it to the other person. And so you need to be taught of the Lord. That's the promise of the new covenant. All of your children shall be taught of the Lord. They shall not say to their brother, Hebrews 8 reiterates the promise of Isaiah, they shall, or Jeremiah, I should say, they shall not say to his brother, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. And John says, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know, you all have knowledge, you all have the privilege and the right to be taught of the Lord and to have the revelation of what your inheritance is. And so I refuse to try to, you know, spoon feed the, the people of God, because you need to be attached to the revelation of the Holy Spirit and to his teaching you and his leading you. Jesus promised that he would lead you into all truth. And so the main ministry of the new covenant is a ministry of the spirit. And by the Holy Spirit, the revelation will come to you of what your inheritance is. And then the phrase before that, to restore the land. See, restoration in the body of Christ, I'm utterly convinced of this, will never come until the message of God's grace and the message of the new covenant is restored to the church. As long as the church is trying to gain rewards by obedience, they will never, ever, there will never be total restoration in the body of Christ. I can't tell you how strongly I believe that. 
because God will not squander what Jesus purchased with his blood to our attempts to earn and deserve what freely is given to us in Jesus Christ. And so the church has got to come to the end of itself, to the end of all of its efforts, to the end of all the thou shalt and you must and you shall do this. And and just you know, I can't tell you this, the, 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 the strength of this conviction within me that so much of the preaching that has gone on in the Christian church has been to the old man trying to rehabilitate the old man instead of preaching to the new man and telling the new man who he is, telling the new woman who you are as a daughter of God instead of living like a slave and living like a servant in serfdom, come in to the Father's house. Come into your rightful place of inheritance. Come and receive all the Father's blessings. That to me is the essence of the, the ministry that God has given to Bev and I and Liberated Living Ministries. And I want to apologize to all of you for having stepped out of my lane. God was very, very clear and very kind and very gracious. I want to tell you this. Repentance is a whole lot of fun. <laughs> It really is fun when God shows you because he does it always in such a gracious way. He leads you into truth. Now, you might say, well, why didn't God deal with you beforehand on this? Well, I just did not listen to those checks in my spirit. And, you know, I realized this. It was the fear of man, the fear of man. Now, if you'd have asked me, you know, are you afraid of man? I would have said, no, I'm bold. But in that area of wanting to please friends, I was uh, just vulnerable. Nobody really put pressure on me. I put the pressure on myself, not wanting to disappoint people, not wanting to appear to be just so selfish and self-centered that I was not willing to do those things. And so the rebuke of the Lord is so sweet when he corrects you. And repentance is so wonderful to be able to just say, God, I blew it. I'm sorry. And so, so I am coming back to the central message that God has called me to preach. And that is to loose the captives and let them go, to expose the, the bonds that bind the people of God, bonds of condemnation. Oh, the enemy uses condemnation to manipulate us emotionally. I was speaking to someone earlier this week who was just having such a hard time with condemnation and feeling like they didn't measure up. And in the midst of it, I said to them, I said, I guarantee you that in, the enemy has suggested to you that suicide is a way out. And this person began to cry and said, yes, that's exactly what has happened. See, the enemy wants to destroy your life. He doesn't want you to inherit your inheritance. It's like Ziba with Mephibosheth. If he can neutralize you through accusation, through condemnation, through shame and guilt, he will throw everything at you to get you off your inheritance, which is what Ziba wanted. And David, as we know from the story in, in the book, What Right Do I Have? David was so uh, unwise in saying, okay, I've decided you and Ziba split the inheritance. And 
Mephibosheth said, let him take it all. He gave away his entire inheritance that was procured for him by a covenant between David and Jonathan because he didn't understand the covenantal basis of the relationship between David and Jonathan and therefore between David and himself. And he looked at his own deserving and because he didn't deserve it, he was willing to give away his inheritance. And that's exactly what Satan wants to use against the people of God condemnation, manipulating us with guilt and with fear and with shame over the past. And I tell you, uh, you know, I ministered on this in Nashville this past month again, you know, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor, nor th- things present, nor things to come. And I pointed out that God does not say through Paul things past, because as far as God is concerned, your past is under the blood of Jesus, and it cannot separate you from his love at all, because Jesus has thoroughly dealt with your past. The problem is our minds are unrenewed, and so the enemy keeps on pressing those buttons of memory that cause us to suddenly be overwhelmed with this bad feeling of shame and guilt and and regret and sorrow over the past and so on. He's so smart, as it were, in bringing up your past because he knows that for many of us, we have such strong memories that are unhealed about our past and that he can push those those trigger points in us and we'll succumb to the, the condemnation and the guilt. That, those were the first grave clothes that I had to get free of. That horrible feeling of waking up every day feeling the dread of the day and then at night going to bed feeling horrible because I knew I had failed. Just, you know, there was no specific area. I just knew I was a failure. And living with that condemnation is a terrible yoke, terrible bondage to the people of God. That is because we don't understand the new covenant. And so we're still bound by the law, thou shalt. And, you know, you must and you better do this or else God won't bless you. The preaching of the word of the new covenant of God's grace and that we have died to the law through the body of Christ so that we might be married to another, to him that was raised from the dead, that we might bring forth fruit unto God. That's the heart of the message of getting free from the law. We've died to the law. The law has no more jurisdiction over us because we died to the Lord in Christ. You see, Jesus didn't just die for your, the forgiveness of your sins. He died and you died in him. You died to the law. You died to sin. You died to the old life. You're now a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That's the reality of your inheritance as a child of God. You are a new creation. And so that's another of the the grave clothes that the Lord has has, um, instructed me to, you know, take off the people of God. Loose him and let him go. Loose the grave clothes of legalism. Loose the grave clothes of performance. And then loose the grave clothes of the wounds of the past. Instead of living crippled by the memories and the wounds and the hurts, the emotional trauma of the past, we can be free from that because Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. 
And what Jesus did in, in uh, Luke chapter 4 is amazing. Where Isaiah says to heal the brokenhearted, Jesus changes that to open the blind eyes. Because the reason why we are emotionally damaged is because of the perception that we have had of events of the past and the wrong conclusions that we have drawn through what happened to us. And so as a result of that, he wants to open our eyes. I was ministering up in Nashville this past month in the, the, the morning sessions and I ministered on forgiveness. And I was telling about this whole matter of God opening our eyes to see others as he sees them. And when we see others as he sees them, compassion will flow in our hearts. And there was a man there and he came to me at lunchtime. Uh, the morning session is early, 7.30 to quarter past eight. But he came to me at lunchtime and he said, I've just got off the phone with my wife and told me the story. She said, he said, my wife's brother committed a murder and he's in prison in another country. He told me that his wife's mother was so compassionate for her son and the daughter was so upset with the mother because she said, man, he deserves what he got. He, he killed somebody. He should be in prison. And she had no compassion for her mother at all because she just felt that the, the, her brother was justly in prison for having committed a murder. And so her husband called her and shared these truths with her. And he said, let's ask Jesus to show you your mother through his eyes. And he said to me, he said, I left when I got off the phone. My wife was on the floor crying because God had shown her her mother's hurt of having her son in prison. Yes, he was. He had committed murder, so he was justly in prison. But that doesn't change the compassion of a mother's heart for her own son. And so she had seen that. And so instead of the anger that she had toward her mother, God had filled her heart with compassion. And so healing comes when I can see the other person who wronged me, who did something bad to me through Jesus' eyes. And when I see them through Jesus' eyes, I will have the compassion. The Bible says again and again, when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Seeing as God sees releases God's compassion. And when God's compassion is released in you, you are made whole. And so that's another of the grave clothes, the grave clothes of past wounds that have so haunted the people of God. And so I'm so committed to see God's people set free from those grave clothes. And so uh, I just want you to rejoice with us because it, it's like we went through COVID and I don't wish what we went through on anyone else, but we went through that for God to do a course correction for me, particularly and Bev, and for Liberated Living Ministries to restore us to what he's called us to. And he's, you know, it's stay in your lane. Say to Archippus, Colossians 4, 17, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you fulfill it. And so that is what I intend to do. Now, I've got a message prepared for the, you know, the next in the series on, um, the generosity of grace, and we'll come back to that next month. But I feel like for this month, this is all that the Lord wants me to share. And please don't hear me condemning anyone else who got COVID for whatever reason. This is not about you. This is about me. And it's about the correction that God brought to me. Psalm 91, he ministered that to me. 
because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. And so in this area, I had stepped out from that dwelling place of listening to his voice. And I did what the fear of man dictated in this regard. And so I have repented before God now. You know, I I don't know the application of this to you personally. Uh, All I know is what the Lord has dealt with, with with me and with Bev. And so I just share that and I'm thrilled for the course correction. Father, I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, I don't always understand why you don't teach us these lessons early on so that we don't make mistakes. And Lord, I thought I'd learned the lesson of living as a son. And yet in this area, you knew there was a point where I needed to be healed, where I needed to be set free myself from the fear of man that manifest in wanting to please friends and not wanting to disappoint them and so on. So I just thank you, Lord, for your correction. I thank you for renewed vision and renewed vigor in this course that you've set for us to loose them and let them go, to set the captives free, to restore the land, to reassign the desolate inheritances, that you may say to the prisoners, go forth to those who are in darkness, show yourselves, reveal your true self, reveal your true identity. And so, Lord, as we go into this year, I just pray that this will be an amazing year. Thank you for your gift to Bev and I of 49 wonderful years together. There have been Tough times, but we've worked through them all. And now we're living in a place that is so full of joy and so full of peace and so full of happiness together. And thank you for that. And Lord, thank you for this Jubilee year, the 50th year. And thank you for the blessing that you've promised us this year. Thank you that we're going to be abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you're going to give us to drink of the river of your pleasures. And we receive it, Lord. And I pray that for all of those who listen to me today, that this will be true for them, that they will be abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you will give them to drink of the river of your pleasures. Thank you for your pleasures, the things that you are pleased with, the things that you are pleased to do. And thank you that the inheritance is ours by your pleasure. And thank you, Lord, we are going to possess every part of the inheritance that is ours. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the conclusion of this message. You've been listening to the ministry of John and Beverly Sheesby. For more information on this and other available teachings, please visit our website at www.liberatedliving.com. God bless you, and thank you for listening.